Good morning. Oh, it's good to see everybody this morning. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Oh, I think it's time for an attitude check. Praise the Lord. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Attitude check. Praise the Lord. There we go. <laughs> there we go. All right, well, uh, just uh, want to uh, remind everybody that uh, Wayne is is in the uh, Indiana Southern Rehab Center, and he is uh, going through some challenges, so keep him in your prayers. Uh, I know that uh, many of you in here have been through rehab of some kind at one time or another, and you know that it can be challenging. <laughs> and uh, also, whatever led you up to being there for that uh, rehab can uh, weigh on your mind and your heart heavy too. So we keep him in our prayers. So uh, I know there's at least one birthday, but I saw four. I saw four birthday uh, cups out there. So, all right. Who's had a birthday? Who are you? Two, three, Bernice. Now, who, who's, who's had the birthday that's not here? Bernice. Well, Bernice is one, but is there somebody else? Uh, Sheila. Sheila. Okay. Sheila's not here. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. So we actually had another one over here. <laughs> Judy's mom has a birthday too, so praise the Lord. All right, what a blessing. Carolyn, Carolyn okay. And uh, we're, we're, glad that, uh, we're glad that you're here to celebrate it with us. <laughs> Are you 45? At least. <laughs> All right, well, it's good to... Good to see everybody. It's good to be here. And now then, how about anniversaries? Anybody celebrating an anniversary? Ah, Lynn and Gail celebrate. Anybody else? All right. Well, let's sing happy anniversary for them. Happy anniversary. Yes. You know, we were so short last week on this side. <laughs> this week, we beat them. Jim, it looks, Jim, it looks like you've been doing some recruiting. Well, we're, we're glad you're here. We've got candy on this side. <laughs> ah, well, if we were going by weight, I make up the difference on this side. <laughs> All right. 
Let's see here. Uh, announcements. Uh, we are going to have a uh, rehearsal after church. Uh, it says each week from now until Christmas, we need ladies. We need ladies' voices. We need ladies to sing with us. Add that extra beauty <laughs> to our crowd. And, you know, of course, having ladies in the group helps with the looks, too. So. <laughs> uh, and the Christmas light crew will work uh, on this coming Saturday, having a work day. That's, uh, that'll be the 29th. So anybody who can come and help, what time? Nine o'clock. Nine until whenever. <laughs> he got up at four this morning. All you got to do, Jim, all you got to do is call Central and have them sound the tones. He'll get up and he'll be here. He's just wanting me to give him a call about seven o'clock. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, uh, uh, Brother Bob is going to lead us in our opening hymn, We Will Glorify. Amen. Glorify the Lord. Not much better than that. <laughs> Good morning. It is good to be here. That, although I thought I had retired, and looks like I haven't. But it's, it's good to see everybody here this morning. We will glorify the King of Kings, number 35. We will glorify the King of Kings. We will glorify the Lamb. We will glorify the Lord of Lords, who is the great I Am. Lord Jehovah reigns in majesty. We will bow before His throne. We will worship Him in righteousness. We will worship Him. can do that. Father God, thank you so much for all of your blessings. Lord, you bless us so much that we don't even know all the blessings. You do things in us and through us and around us that we don't see, we don't know, and we often just take it for granted. Lord, forgive us. Help us to be more grateful. Help us to be more aware of the spiritual warfare, the spiritual battle that's going on around us at all times, and your goodness and your mercy and your grace and your strength and your power that delivers us from all of these things, even though we may not even see it or be aware of it. 
So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We ask you to continue to work in us and through us to grow your kingdom. We pray, Lord, that right now, if anyone here is listening today who has not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, or if they are struggling with some sin in their life, that words will be spoken that will help them to turn to you, accept you, confess their sins, repent of those sins, believe in you, and be delivered. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Let's turn to number uh, 169. I need thee every hour.
Amen. Our communion hymn is number 253, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Brother John Clemick has our uh, communion meditation this morning. Over the past few years, we've been wearing masks at school, work, and in public. On Halloween, people wear masks to adopt a new persona. And in reality, most everyone wears a different mask most every day. My mask might take the form of saying, I'm fine everything is fine, even though the world is falling apart. I just don't want to burden others with my problems, so I pretend all is well. I might wear a mask even though I truly feel the world owes me. Nothing in life is fair. I choose to stay in this depressed state because it's easier than rising above discouragement and actively making a change. Or I might manage a smile while thinking, I'm tired, weary, warm. I have no passion left in life. I'm simply going through the motions with a little joy and peace as a respite at the end of each long day. With Jesus, we don't need to wear a mask. Even if, out of habit, we try to wear one in his presence, he can see past the camouflage and deep into the recesses of the human soul. He said, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, 
and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. It's from Luke 8, 16 17. Because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, his children are free to remove the mask of pain, guilt, and disillusionment and to simply cry out to a father who sees beyond their hidden hurt to the needy heart he alone can heal. Jesus' sacrifice allows us freedom to be true, real, raw, and open not only with him but with the world. We can take off our mask and bask in the illuminating light of freedom that comes from knowing our sins are forgiven and we have the assurance in eternity with our loving Father. As we come together for communion, we envision Jesus' human body on the cross as we eat the bread and we see the precious blood he shed as we drink the cup. May we feel gratitude for the freedom to remove our massive shame and let Jesus' perfect love and grace abound deeply in our hearts. Amen. Let us pray. As we partake of this bread and fruit, we honor creation and the Creator. As we bless and share these gifts, we celebrate the table fellowship of Jesus. All are worthy, all are welcome. As we receive the fruits of the Spirit, we celebrate the communion of all things. Creator, Christ, and Spirit dance as one, so may it always be. Bless and prosper this meal. Bless and prosper this fellowship. Bless and prosper our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's spend a few moments just uh, thinking about the goodness of God, His mercy and grace on us. When Jesus and his disciples were gathered in the upper room for the Passover meal, Jesus took bread and blessed it, broke it, passed it to them, saying, Take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Eat ye of it. And likewise the cup, when they had eaten, Jesus took it and, giving thanks, shared it among them, saying, This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for the remission of sins. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me until I come again. Drink of it, all of you. Let's stand for the doxology. Praise God from
While we're standing, let's uh, turn to number 493. We'll understand it better by and by. Trials dark on every seated. We had uh, Wayne originally lined up for special music this morning, and Wayne, of course, is not here, but his music is. We're going to hear from Wayne anyway, brother. Uh... Once I stood in the night with my head bowed down in the darkness as black as could be and my heart felt alone and I cried oh Lord don't hide your face Like a king, I may live in a palace so tall with great riches to call my own. But I don't know a thing in this whole wide world that's worse. 
can be alone Hold my hand all the way Every hour, every day From here to the grave or watching, uh, we love you, we miss you, and you're not alone. We're looking forward to when you get back here, especially Bob. <laughs> All right. Well, how are you this morning, church? Amen. Amen. Well, we decided that on the fourth Sundays, I would do something different. And uh, so we're, we started uh, last fourth Sunday, we started a new series on, uh, it, it's uh, back to the basics. Now we're not actually covering the evidences uh, for and names of God this week, but uh, the series, we're moving on. We're going to talk about the nature of God uh, this morning. So I want to say a prayer first. And then we will get started. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much. Lord, what a privilege it is to be here in your house. What a privilege to be a servant for thee. Lord, I pray that you will take these feeble words and feeble attempts and let the Holy Spirit use it to guide, direct, encourage, lift up, and possibly even plant seeds for salvation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. The nature of God. Physical creation can tell us that there is a God. We talked about that. But it remains for the Bible, which is God's revelation of himself, to tell us what God is like in his person. We list a few of his many attributes. The first one is his unity. There's one God. There is but one God. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The American Standard Version more accurately translated it, Jehovah our God is one God, or one Jehovah. Yet there are three persons in the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The term God is applied to each of these uh, in 1 Corinthians 8, 6, John 1, 1, and Acts 5, 3, and 4. 
the term God is used here as an expression of deity rather than as a proper name. But no matter how you look at it, God is God. (laughs) This idea of three persons but one God did not seem to disturb the writers of the New Testament. They apparently accepted it by faith, realizing the inability of finite man to fully understand the nature of an infinite God. In some respects, man is triune like God. Paul describes man as spirit and soul and body in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Man is spirit with a soul and lives in a body. Yet he considers himself as one. (laughs) This, however, is not fully understood by anyone. If man cannot understand his own nature, he should not be surprised at not understanding the nature of God. We accept him by faith as we do the majority of things in this world. For example, when you go to the gas station, do you check to make sure that that's gas coming out of the pump before you stick it in there and start squeezing? We have faith. We trust that it is what it's supposed to be. When we go to a restaurant, a drive through whatever, and they hand us food, we trust that they have handled it with care and kept it clean. That's faith. <laughs> the next thing we'll look at is his holiness. This is one of the greatest distinctions between the one true God and gods created by man or false gods. The gods that men create are sinful and weak like their creators. A study of Greek mythology which narrates the sinful natures of the gods on Mount Olympus will confirm this. Presumably, when man creates a god, he does not create one who will condemn him for his sins. This is not true of Jehovah. Now, he uses this name Jehovah, which could be Yahweh, or it could be something entirely different. We don't know. But Yahweh or Jehovah are the most common interpretations of the uh, name for God. While Israel was surrounded by pagan gods of unholy natures, Jehovah thunders from Mount Sinai and says, Be holy because I, the Lord God, your God, am holy. The prophet Isaiah saw in the temple a vision of the Lord with the seraphim crying uh, one to another, Holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah 6.3. The first petition for God in the uh, model prayer is, Hallowed be your name. We forget that sometimes, I think. And I think we forget it very easily. It is the holiness of God that causes him to hate everything that is sinful and evil and to love everything that is pure and good and holy. The psalmist sang to God, 
You hate all who do wrong in Psalm 5, 5. It is God's perfect holiness that makes it impossible for him to be tempted by evil, much less to sin, according to James 1.13. A woman dressed in a white satin dress abhors dirt much more than a ditch digger does. The cleaner one becomes in soul, the more he detests sin. Since God is completely holy... He has a burning hatred of all evil. The destruction of the world by the flood and the final destruction of the earth by fire are expressions of God's attitude toward sin because of his holiness. The term saint in the New Testament means a holy one or living, uh, one living a holy life. Every child of God who is living a holy life is a saint. As children of a holy God, we are called upon to live like him. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written... Be holy because I am holy. Holiness is a hard thing. But here's the thing is that when we accept Christ, when we confess our sin, when we repent of that sin, and when we accept Christ and let him be the Lord of our life, his blood cleanses us of all sin and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and at that moment, his holiness is given to us. We have a portion of holiness that we receive, and that's why when God looks down on us, he doesn't see our sinfulness. He sees holiness, the blood of his son. That's why it says in his eyes we're perfect Now, in ours, we're not, and in each other's, we're not. But in his, we've been cleansed. Next is his love. This is the supreme attribute of God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 1 John 4, 8. Love comes nearer than any other characteristic to describing the nature of God. Love is the matchless motive that sent Jesus to save lost humanity, according to John 3.16. The love of God is seen first in his sending Christ to the earth to save men. His love is also seen in his adopting into the family of God those who obey the gospel. His love is superior to any love man might have. No one loves us like God. No one loves us like Jesus. No one can. Our our goal is to strive to be more like him, to love each other like he loves us, to love others, regardless of whether we even know them or not, the way he loves us. You see, the, the agape love that God has for us is love that is given without any expectation of anything in return. 
That's kind of a mind-blowing thought. You mean I love them even though they may not love me back? They might scream and yell at me and hate me? Yes. That's the way God loves. And that's our goal. (laughs) We see God's love and his providential care for all men and especially his care for the redeemed, you and me. He repeated forgiveness for our sins come from his love. Uh, He repeated forgiveness of our sins. I'm sorry. I think I misquoted that. Of our sins comes from his love. Our forgiveness is a part of his love. King Hezekiah said, in your love you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. God wasn't looking at his sins. He looked past them, put them behind him and looked at him. God's love for us inspires in us love for him. We love because he first loved us. 1 John 4.19 His love also motivates us to love one another. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 1 John 4.11 The next attribute is his mercy. His mercy. God's love is the basis of his mercy as seen in John 3.16. Paul further states, But because of his great love uh, for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ And seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Why an order that in the coming ages he might show this incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. You know, that ought to make us just shout glory. (laughs) Wow, he loves us so much. Three great words are closely associated in the Bible. Love, mercy, and grace. Love is the basis of his mercy, and God extends grace, which is unmerited favor, because he is merciful. The greatest expression of God's love, mercy, and grace was when Jesus came to atone for our sins. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 1 John 4.10 God could have let us die in our sins and he would have been just in doing so. But God chose to be merciful and save us even though we in no way deserved it. Cannot do anything to deserve God's salvation, even God's love. But he gives it anyway. God shows his mercy daily when he answers our repentant prayers for forgiveness. Our understanding, uh, high priest, Jesus, and the throne of grace are always ours. The way we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. 
Hebrews 4.16. The Lord is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3.9. How wonderful is his mercy. Then we'll look at his power or his omnipotence. God says in Genesis 17.1, I am God Almighty. The term Almighty means there is no limit to his power. In Revelation 19.6, the heavenly host sang, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. It is this limitless power that enabled God to create the world in the beginning and to maintain it to this day. The miracles of the Bible were performed because of God's power. People have difficulty believing the Genesis creation story and the Bible miracles because they have rejected the omnipotent God. This is what Jesus said. With God, all things are possible. Matthew 19, 26. All things are possible. No limit. Of course, it has to be his will. (laughs) Next, we'll look at his wisdom or his omniscience. Paul sings a hymn of praise to God's wisdom in Romans 11.33. He says, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Wow. God's knowledge and understanding are unlimited. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Psalm 147.5. I mean... You know, I'm doing good these days if I can remember what I did yesterday. God doesn't have that problem. God has never been caught off guard and said, didn't see that coming. God's knowledge is so great that it extends to little insignificant things as well as great facts. Jesus says he sees the sparrow fall and that the very hairs of our head are all numbered. John writes, for if our heart condemned us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. God knows all things. 1 John 3.20. He knows all about us, even our thoughts. You know, when I sit down and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down and you are familiar with. With all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Psalm 139, 2 through 4. He knows what we're going to think before we think it. Now, that's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? Especially when we have thoughts we shouldn't be having. (laughs) Somebody says something we don't like, and we're thinking, Man, I'd like to just, (laughs) we don't show it, we don't say it, but we thought it, and God knows it, and it has to be dealt with. Now we'll look at his omnipresence. He's everywhere all the time. Being spirit, God can be everywhere. He is always present. Jehovah declares, am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, 
and not a God far away? Can anyone hide in a secret place so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do not I feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord? Jeremiah 23, 23 and 24. David in Psalms 139, 7 through 10, could think of no place where he could go and be beyond the love and care of God. We're never far from God. As Paul told the pagan audience at Mars Hill, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Acts 17, 27, 28. God is unlimited by time because he is eternal. Unlimited in power since he is omnipotent. His omniscience means that he is unlimited in knowledge. And his omnipresence informs us that he is not limited by space. For the Lord your God is God of gods and the Lord of lords. The great God. Deuteronomy 10, 17. Now his faithfulness. Knowing therefore that Jehovah thy God, he is God, the faithful God, who keepeth covenant and loving kindness with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. What a promise. Deuteronomy 7, 9. In the midst of constant change in every area of life, it seems that nothing is stable. <laughs> All of life seems built on shifting sand, but not so with God. Humboldt, the explorer, related his experience with an earthquake in South America. As the earth beneath him rocked like a boat in the water, trees fell. Rocks rolled. He felt that nothing was stable or dependable. Then he looked upward. The sun was still there. The sky was undisturbed. How like life that is. The things of this earth do change. God does not. David says, in the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain they will all wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them and they will be discarded. But you remain the same and your years will never end. Psalm 102, 25 through 27. The faithfulness of God is rooted in his immutability. That is his unchanging nature. Jehovah says, I the Lord do not Change, Malachi 3.6. His methods and covenants with men may change, but his principles and character do not. Because he does not change, man can place his trust in every promise he makes. The omnipotence of God further assures his faithfulness. Men may not keep promises because they are unable through weakness to carry them out. God can perform anything he promises to do. He keeps his promises, folks. The Hebrew writer, therefore, could say with confidence, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised 
is faithful. Hebrews 10, 23. You know, we think about these things and we have a better understanding of who God is. And we should be encouraged to be able to have a stronger faith in him, knowing that he never lies, he never never not keeps his word. He always. You know, we haven't seen heaven, but we have the promise of heaven from one who cannot lie. We need to always keep that in mind. So then there's this knowing and obeying God. As we consider how great God is, we would agree with God's words in Jeremiah 9, 2 through 24. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Man's highest aim in life should be to fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man, according to Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Wow. God has done so much for us. God is doing so much for us. And God has promised to continue doing for us in the future. Now, based on knowing him as well as we do over the years, we've learned that we can trust God. We've learned that we need to obey God, and as we obey Him, He gives us further instruction. In other words, we continue to grow. We grow in spirit, in our spiritual nature. We grow in our relationship of knowing who God is. He already knows everything there is to know about all of us, but we cannot say that. And He wants us to have that intimacy with him. He wants us to be so walking so close with him that when he speaks, we always hear. Even when he whispers, he wants us to hear that whisper. God loves us. He has shown and proven his love for us by sending his only begotten son to die for us. Jesus proved the love of God and extended the grace of God by saying, because of what I have done when I died for you on the cross, I paid all of the debt for your sin. In other words, I took the anger of my father on me so that you can avoid that wrath of God. You can have the promise of spending eternity in paradise, in heaven, with God. Instead of going to the place of the pit with the devil and his angels, which was never intended for mankind. 
It was not meant for man at all. It was meant for the devil and his angels because they, they became evil when, because they had free will, they chose to sin against God, to go against him. That changed their nature and even their name from angels to demons. Now, they're still called angels, but they're evil angels instead of good angels. You know, when we think about all of these attributes of God, we have to stop and think about the spiritual world because he is spirit. He's part of the spirit. He's supernatural. So being a Christian, folks, is not natural. It's supernatural. It's a miracle. When we accept Christ, it is a miracle because it's supernatural in nature. It is not natural for human beings to stop sinning and stop wanting to live more and more sinful and instead to obey and honor God with their lives. That's not what the nature of our flesh is as was proven in the garden with Adam and Eve. One little suggestion from Satan. (laughs) Boom. They fell. You think we're any different? We are not. One little suggestion from Satan, and if we're not careful, boom, we fall. It all begins with one thought. He knows our every thought. And we are told in another place to keep even our thoughts under subjection to the Holy Spirit. We need to learn what spiritual warfare really is, folks, because we're in it. From the moment you became a Christian, you were made a warrior for Christ. You were made a warrior for God. So many Christians live as if we're in a playground instead of on a battleground. <laughs> I just want to play around, play with sin, see how much I can get away with. You know, I, it, it just irks me when I hear anybody say, I would rather ask uh, forgiveness than permission. In other words, I've already made my mind up. I'm going to commit sin and then God's got to forgive me, right? No, he doesn't. Because perhaps your heart is not really repentant. That's why you want to keep doing this in. God's love is so great. His mercy is so deep. His grace is amazing. Where do we stand? Where do we stand? Have we received his love, his mercy, his grace? Or have we just shrugged it off and said, hey, you know, he he makes the sun to shine on on the good and the evil alike. So what's the benefit? (laughs) Dig deeper. It's a huge difference between going to burn in hell for all of eternity and going to heaven in perfection for all of eternity to have joy unspeakable forever. If we died right now, do we know that we would go to be with the Lord? If you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord and come as we sing, Brother Bob. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Let's stand and sing. Number 364. Thank you.
No Bible study tonight. All right. Don't know if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> Gives you enjoy a day that's nice. Yes, it does. <clears throat> Anything else for us at this time, Brother Mitch? Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> uh, well, you've heard the announcements that we uh, that we have so far. Anything else that needs to? Uh, yeah. Be... Uh, next week is our fifth Sunday. So hmm. Okay. Awesome. Sounds good. <laughs> You'll take care of the details. Good. See Doris. Mm, right. <laughs> Doris knows about it. Mike. No church tonight. I'm canceling tonight, so enjoy the nice weather. Okay. Thank you, Mary. Mike. Mm-hmm. It's 6 o'clock, you say Friday? Saturday. Saturday. Got you. <coughs> Meet at Leroy's? Yes. In the back parking lot there. Uh, how old is the age limit? Whatever how old you want to be. <laughs> well, you said for kids. Well, some of us never grow up. Hey, that's, that's perfectly all right. Tried it once, didn't care for it at all. Yeah. It was good weather. Whether you grow up or not, you still grow old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're lucky. Okay, anything else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I lost uh, it. Yes. I need to put it on these. 
Can you dismiss us, please? Sure. You know, there's a certain cut of a beef. Well, it's called bull loading. <laughs> All right. Let's Did that pray. have any reference to your sermon this morning? Do what? Did that have any reference to your sermon? Uh, no. 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 All right. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for being here with us again this morning. Thank you for your word and your promises. Thank you for that. You are a God we can trust and depend on and help us to be more trustworthy and and more dependable, to be more like you. Help us to be more loving, more merciful, filled with more grace towards our fellow man. Help us to live up to the name of our family, of our Father. And Lord, help us to honor you as your ambassadors to do the will and the work that you've given us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless me.